When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co host, Rich Hemadrich. How are we doing? Jordan, I know how hard. You work at this, and I, I know how you. Where's he going to, with this? I know you, how you try to <laughs> elevate the discussion around the Rams and and around uh, things that that happen. And what do we pull you into? Jalen Ramsey socks. <laughs> That's what we pull you. You try so hard, and and we make you go to Jalen Ramsey and ask him, "Why are you wearing yellow socks?" But you found out the great intrepid journalist that you are. You got the answer for us. Did you feel very fulfilled after that? It's just funny. This job is so amazing and dumb at the same time. Like <laughs> I get I get paid like I'm I'm covering a game and then those are the some of the details that emerge. And it's like it's so wonderful. And also it's a little bit of a dose of perspective of like, you know, let's never take ourselves too seriously on this one. And right. and I feel like so that was really interesting, but I but I thought it was fascinating and I get it. There's not a huge percentage of the population out there who's like, wow, that is an interesting detail, Jordan. But like <laughs> I think I personally thought it was interesting, especially in context. So this guy it drives across Los Angeles in city traffic on his day off to pick up a couple of pairs of the yellow tights, excuse me, the sole tights yes. that USC was wearing a couple of weeks ago and sort of have as a part of their uniform rotation, pick them, he picked them up from the DB's coach at USC and decided to just wear them regardless of whether or not the NFL is trying to incur a fine. And actually it's interesting because it sounds like he's testing them a little bit yeah. in that it's like, there's a rule about socks specifically, but I don't think there's an actual rule about tights. Right. So I think it's all very, it's to me, it just shows a little bit more of personality and just the detail. These guys see everything. They pay attention to everything. They, th- there is that sense of putting on some armor before the game. And right, he was, right. he practices in the, the yellow tights. And I, and I think part of it too is interesting. I, I would love to do one of those um, almost like those little glow light things that used to, you know, when we were kids and you used to like wave the glow lights around and make little patterns in the sure, air and stuff. Yeah. I'd love to do like a delayed exposure over the top of an all 22, just to, to see the yellow <laughs> moving around to see right, like all the right. patterns that it makes. <laughs> so um, that's where my brain's at right now, yeah. which is, uh, you know, take it, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, who knows, right? No, it's, it's awesome. But yeah, those, those guys are so funny and it's not just the Rams. It's not just football players. It's, it's, it's all professional athletes and, 
college athletes, they get that, that thing, right? Like they get that thing stuck in their head. Like this is the way it has to be done. Or this is, this is, our, this is my uh, pattern. Or this is how things have to be done. And you can't shake it out of them once they, once they get it. So thank you for getting to the bottom of that. Yes. Tights, not socks. What a workaround. What an interesting way to, uh, to, to see if that uh, happens. So, yeah. So, you know, after we, after we got to that in the pile, Jordan, you know, I did you 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 noted how how quickly I scrolled down to that part of the the, <laughs> the, the pile to to get the answer. And, and then I went back and read all of the really relevant stuff. And there is a lot in there, Jordan, after the Rams pull out another victory, 20 to 12 over the Arizona Cardinals. Not exactly. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't as bad as Seahawks Broncos on on Sunday night. Let's let's put it that way. But uh, but also maybe not the uh, the most compelling watch at times. But the Rams uh, found a way. And look, they had some issues and it, it, significant issues in the secondary uh, that they were able to play through, and also some issues on the offensive line that they had to sort through. And in Jordan, they get an extra day now because of the Monday night game coming up against the 49ers. But uh, as we sit here and record on Monday evening, you've now had a chance to talk to Sean McVay uh, after the game. Monday is usually the day where he kind of details some of those injuries and things that they've gone through. Where are they with some of these? And then where are they with a couple of guys who had to leave the game on Sunday? Um, and, and what's the status on them? Yeah, lots and lots of injuries for this Rams group early on in the season. There's not really uh, a pattern to these. It's just some of these have been really freak things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, it, coming into Sunday's game at Arizona, the Rams were facing a very similar vibe to how they were last year when they were on the road in the regular season with Air against Arizona, although that was due to um, a virus outbreak and that was not due to, you know, various things like soft tissue injuries that they're dealing with now. But at the same time, they still had to manage their personnel and it was a bit of a chaotic week. Um, lots of personnel people um, power walking and, and almost running at times back and forth between the offices <laughs> and the field just to, in my mind, I'd like to think, you know, just to do a head count, but that's actually, it's more professional than that. It's more like, how's right. this person doing? Is this person hurt? Check in with Reggie. What do we need to do? Who can we get on the phone? Check with the coach, then run back and all kinds of stuff was going on last week. And it was interesting to see how they navigated the situation, literally pulling a guy, Sean Jolly, off the practice squad in Cleveland, putting him on a plane on Thursday and then his first day of practice is Thursday afternoon and it, things like that. So they're still going to be dealing with this for the next couple of weeks. They're sort of their eyes on the bye week in terms of really getting a bunch of guys back and healthy. Right now, you're looking at um, injuries they came into Sunday's game with that still may be lingering, include David Long Jr., who had the groin injury. Kobe Durant, who had the hamstring issue, and you really want to be careful with those long term. Jordan Fuller had a hamstring in, uh, issue, and you obviously want to be careful with those long term. Um, you know, Bryson Hopkins, tight, the tight end, too, he was suspended for um, abusive substance uh, in the NFL's policy. And so he's out for the next three games. So they signed Kendall Blanton, who had a 28 yard catch, just really acted like he missed no time at all. Um, let's see. So you're missing those guys. You sign a couple of people. You put Van Jefferson on injured reserve. Um, Sean McVay, this is super important to note. Also, Sean McVay said that this was a short-term injured reserve. That 
vibes with everything that I had been hearing about Van Jefferson's knee injury, which is that he was almost ready to come back. He could have been rushed back in an emergency. They did not want to rush him back because they had some big plans that we're going to get to with Ben Skoranek and a couple of their other receivers who they wanted to to utilize and, and sort of had to do so in an emergency and it worked. So you didn't have to really rush Van back. Um, so he was supposed to be back by around week six in terms of that, that would be when he would be a full go. The Rams sort of started dealing with a position catastrophe of sorts at cornerback. So had to sign other guys off other practice squads and elevate guys like Grant Haley off of their own practice squad, which takes a roster spot while injured reserve players do not take a roster spot. And so that's the reason why Van Jefferson is on IR right now, not necessarily because he's going to have an even more delayed recovery time specifically, but because he was always going to come back sort of nearish around maybe a little bit before the bye week, but now um, out of necessity, he'll be back after the bye week. And Sean McVay did confirm when I asked him um, in the press conference this afternoon on Monday afternoon, when we're recording, I asked him if fans uh, injury or injured reserve designation would be a short-term designation sort of on a hunch that I had about it. And he confirmed it. So the other thing is um, a lot of injuries last week that happened in the last couple of weeks that have happened on the offensive line, Tremaine Ingram obviously got hurt last week. He's out for the year, which was announced following our, our recording last week and AJ Jackson, Alaric Jackson, he stepped in. I thought he played really well at right guard and Rob Havenstein hurt his ankle, left the game briefly came back in and he is okay. Darion Kendrick, uh, the rookie corner who had a great game. I thought on Sunday, he is in the concussion protocol. However, Sean McVay, who I think at this point, regardless of some of the squirreliness about other injuries, um, I do think he knows that you don't mess around with hypothesizing about head injuries. Mm, Um, He sounded pretty optimistic about the progress in the concussion protocol. So we'll see how that goes this week. But yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy last couple of days. I have this thread on Twitter that takes you through all the transactions. If you haven't seen that yet, I would advise you to check it out because it helps you. It will help you keep a track of what kind of has been going on. The Rams obviously brought in for these injuries. They brought in Sean Jolly, who was not active on the game day roster, but is active on the active roster um, through the week. And then then he's off of of the Cleveland practice squad. Kendall Blanton off the Chiefs practice squad, practice squad, uh, and then Tech McKinley off the Titans practice squad. And all three players must be on the 53-man for a minimum of three games. And because they come off another team's practice squad, I think that's it for now, Rich. Well, that's simple. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> I think I have no idea. No offense, Jordan, but I'm uh, that's kind of like when uh, in college and, you know, the professor is like writing all this stuff on the whiteboard. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I hope somebody takes a picture of that. Or uh, <laughs> as, uh, I mean, this is a and you talk about the Van Jefferson stuff. And all, I mean, this is this is like the, the calculus that you have to do here just to to make that all fit and these different designations and different. You know, this guy has to be on the roster for that amount many weeks. I mean, it all it's like a it's like a big puzzle that, that you have to put together. And uh, I, I wouldn't want that job. I'd be terrible at it, actually. Uh, so it's, it's a good thing that somebody else handles that for the Rams. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's easy to almost kind of go into panic mode when you see a designation like that, especially a surprise one, like Ben Jefferson was not trending toward injured reserve in terms of the status of the injury itself. Um, They would have 
put him on injured reserve earlier, if that were the case uh, earlier in the, in the, in the year. And, you know, he did Sean McVay's language did change from day to day at the beginning of the season, because genuinely if Van Jefferson had to come back in an emergency, my understanding is that he would have come back, but as the sort of their passing game plan unfolds, and you realize you don't have to rush him back. Other things that they're trying, which we'll get to in a minute, are working, especially against the types of defenses that they're facing out of the gate so far this year. Um, that is, and I think we kind of just toss out the Bills game statistically because um, they just rolled through them like a knife, a hot knife through butter. Um, but it's it's just one of those things where it's easy to panic about that when you first see it. If you're a fan or someone on Twitter, but then you realize this is an entire ecosystem imbalance that they're kind of dealing with. So every action has a reaction somewhere else along the entirety of the ecosystem. And they were dealing that. I mean, I'm not shy in calling that a a bit of a position catastrophe last week at corner. And to that point, I think it's really admirable the way that they got those young guys ready, the way that they kind of aggressively made those moves in order to bring guys that fit their system in. Sean Jolly was a guy who they almost signed as a UDFA and who my understanding was he did want to sign with the Rams, but understood that he wasn't maybe going to get a bunch of playing time early on because they drafted Kobe Durant. So this is these are the the types of formulaic things that happen through the course of a year. You don't obviously ever expect to use them this quickly when you're a GM or a personnel executive, but this is sort of the calculus that you always have to keep in mind where it's not just about maybe one person and an injury somewhere, but instead some transactional moves are about much more than, you know, the perceived health of some, of somebody's, uh, Appendage, I guess. I would, in this case, in this case, appendage. In this case, a knee. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, Yeah, it's all like I said. It's it's a puzzle that that you have to fit together sometimes. So uh, all that considered, Jordan. I mean, I I know it wasn't the prettiest of games, and I know people. And uh, look, the Rams are two and one. They're in first place in the NFC West. It's obviously not (laughs) what anybody expected by any means uh, at this point. And I know people get a little frustrated, like, oh my gosh, they almost. You know, they almost blew that lead against the Falcons. And oh, my goodness. They let the, the Cardinals hang around and almost win that game. Well, you can look at that way, certainly. And I, I, I'm at the front of the line when it comes to, to putting high expectations on good teams. But I, I think you also have to put it in some context, too, and say that was a that was a difficult one for, for the Rams. And, and I know the Falcons, excuse me, I know the Cardinals had their issues. They had a, some guys out that their receiver core was not what they want it to be. And, and they even had a, some unfortunate uh, injury uh, during the game, too, that I'm sure impacted the way that they did things. But I mean, the Rams were wow, were they <laughs> they were in deep there with with some of the moves that they were having to make and some of the guys who were having to fit in and you saw it during the game. It wasn't perfect. I mean, the uh, Jordan, I know you were there, of course, but during the broadcast, they, they were pointing out some maybe communication issues where, you know, the Cardinals were trying to stack receivers sometimes and create some confusion among the Rams cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. And it worked a couple of times, but that, that's it's going to happen <laughs> you know, when you have guys out there who who haven't played together at all, who have barely practiced together at times. So it's, it's not going to be perfect. All in all, I thought the Rams did a very admirable job 
job on defense, uh, holding uh, the Cardinals to what they did. I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. Kyler Murray is still Kyler Murray, and and they did a, a great job of, of limiting him. I think even frustrating him at times. You, I, I saw you know from TV, Jordan, his his body language at sometimes even he he didn't look great. He didn't look happy <laughs> for for whatever reason. And I thought the Rams did a really effective job. They usually do a good job against the Cardinals, but you know the 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 defensive front bringing it right away, getting that pressure, keeping him in that little box and not letting him uh, extend plays and, and find things. I mean, I, I think all things considered, they did about as good a job uh, as you could hope for. So, uh, Jordan, I mean, any, any thoughts just about uh, the way that that came together? You know, independent of personnel. I mean, we all know it was a personnel kind of, you know, they, they were throwing it all together there. But uh, but I, I thought uh, in terms of game plan and in terms of executing that game plan, they did about as well as you could hope for. Yeah, it was really interesting because I think they went into this game understanding this wouldn't necessarily be a high sack game like this wouldn't, you know, they they had a couple and they were good plays when they made them. But this was a game where the plan, it was it, it was very, very clear from the jump and the second and third quarters got a little dicey there for the offense, which we'll get to in a minute. But in terms of the defense and and what the overall holistic plan was going to be it was pretty clear that uh, you know they wanted to get out to an early lead and they did um you know and then they wanted to make sure that not only was kyler moving more so sideline to sideline around the hash marks not so much going out of bounds um, or going to receivers who were then getting out of bounds, but more so going sort of in those voids where you can avoid the rush, but then all of a sudden you realize the only pass available to you is right under the shell that they're playing with. And they kept the integrity of the shell. And so, you know, for the first several drives for the Cardinals through the first quarter, the Cardinals had 22 yards of offense. They didn't get a first down versus yeah. via anything other than penalty until um, I think the, sometime in the second quarter overall, it was, you know, 5.4 yards per pass play, a hell of a lot of passes, a record number for Kyler Murray and still take having to take the field piece by piece by piece, scoring so few points, no touchdowns through the entire game. Um, and, and, and this was what it was where you knew that if you had a lead and this is how the Rams, I think we always talk about how it's hard for them sometimes to go ball control on the offensive side. This is how they went ball control on the defensive side. They understood that once they got the lead and if they could effectively contain Kyler, not necessarily bring him to the ground, but effectively contain him, make him uncomfortable um, guys in the locker room talking afterwards about how he does not like to go out of bounds because that will usually mean initiating contact. So he'll slide down, which keeps the clock running. Right. Um, understand that if you do that with the pressure and then with the contain around the outside and with the shell that they play in, you constrict downward to make it so he can only just pick at you in drips and droplets. Um, that was really what this was. It When you're not when you're looking at it on your TV screen, you're not really able to see, first of all, what the safeties are doing. And then you're also not really able to see how things are rotating, how people are substituting in and out and all the little conversations that are happening in between the snaps, because again, it's no, it's the broadcast, right? Yeah. When you're looking at it the way that I was able, fortunate enough to see it, it, it's, it was like a boa constrictor slowly squeezing and squeezing <laughs> and squeezing. And it was, 
you have no breathing space here because here's, you know, some of the pressure that's coming for you. So you flush or you move horizontally into this little void and then you see the pass available to you and it's only a couple of yards downfield by design and it's squeezing and squeezing. And so it's, it's very, very stressful for the quarterback to play in that type of environment and that type of, of atmosphere. And it, the Rams kept it really simple and they kept the integrity of the shell. I saw Jalen Ramsey go to the sideline at the very end of the game while the Cardinals were putting together that long fourth quarter drive. And yes, they were converting on fourth downs and the Rams do not want that to happen. And yes, they had some third down conversions, a couple of them overall, it was like six for 18. So I think you can hang your hat on that if you're a Rams fan, but the fourth down conversions, yes, they were converting on some of those short yardage things. And then they were moving the ball through the uh, the last part of the second quarter and then through the third quarter, a little bit in the fourth, they were moving the ball down the field or they were picking up some yards, right? Yes, that is true. But then you saw, you saw Jalen Ramsey go over to the sideline and speak with Chris Shula and with Jonathan Cooley. And you saw him sort of take command instead of maybe in that first game where they lost a little bit of the integrity of that shell against Buffalo, where um, guys would just be really aggressive and try to press down a little bit too far. And then the quarterback hurts you and gets the, gets the ball behind you with his arm um, or works out of structure and gets, gets the ball behind you. You could really tell that they were seeing something. And I learned afterward, they were seeing that they could run the clock down if they could keep that, that strategy and hold that integrity of that game plan in that shell and that the Cardinals, they were not going to go for the aggressive play in terms of the touchdown. They were not going to do those things because they could not move the ball more than a couple of uh, inches. You know, it looks like from far away, more than a couple of inches (laughs) yards, obviously in real life, but from far away, what it looks like inches at a time. And it's, and it's that constrictor where you just, you have no breathing room to move and it's the time is running out. And so then you're forced into making certain decisions and they're not able to get the ball behind this defense and basically take up a lot of yards in a little amount of time. So in that way, the Rams defense went ball control on the Cardinals offense. And I Mm. think, and I know we'll get to the offense in a minute. And I think the offense had some, some issues, but showed some really intriguing things on the other side as well. But this defense I think should be absolutely applauded, not just because it was so effective. Again, the Cardinals did not score a touchdown this game. Um, They could have, they could have gone to a run game, a heavy personnel run game. And they did not in part because the Rams have been actually playing the run really well. Yeah. And also because they kept baiting them, the, the, the Rams defense kept baiting them saying, look here, take this void, take this little tiny bit, take this bit here. And then all of a sudden, when you look up, you don't realize that all the coils are around you, squeezing the life out of you until it's too late. And you're sliding in bounds and you're keeping receivers in bounds because the way they're tilting their coverages and playing the overhang corners and they're keeping everything like it's almost like that slow hug of death. Right. It's like (laughs) it's like drowning. And it's it's you know, it's kind of it just was so interesting to watch in real time. And I understand it's excruciating for fans to watch. I woke up this morning to go to the the airport and my freaking Twitter mentions were on fire. Just like people, why are they playing prevent? They're not playing prevent. Yes. Okay. They're playing a match zone, which is basically very similar to man to man coverage after about seven or eight yards. Okay. They're matching routes and they're pattern matching concepts. And you saw this on one of Jalen Ramsey's past breakups and one of Grant Haley's plays against the run that he made. They're not playing prevent. 
This was right. very intentionally designed, right. very intentionally like this is how they can control the clock because they couldn't, they realized they couldn't do it on the other side. So Sean McVay not only sort of seeds that, right? To re- and But then they also have a plan in place to kind of constrict in that way. And I thought that was just so fascinating because that's what a good football team does. That's what a smart football team does. It leverages the advantage to the side that can best control the clock when they have the lead. And in this case, the defense did. The slow hug of death. Slow hug of death. <laughs> I love it. So nice. (laughs) And and by the way, like all of that sounds great, but it 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 only works if they maintain that integrity. And 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 if it if it doesn't, then it all falls apart. But they were able to do that. Particularly impressive with some of these personnel issues that we're talking about. Yeah, the discipline. That's what I'm. I mean, when I say, and it's a great thanks for keeping me on track, Rich. But like, it's the discipline to have Grant Haley off the practice squad. And and Darion Kendrick, who is like you could see it every time he made a play. I mean, the dude's got a huge personality to have the discipline. And then Jalen Ramsey, my goodness, who's getting blown up on Twitter himself because he had two, you know, he opened the season with a bad game and and all of that and then had a great game against Atlanta. And then and then like is still getting all I'm sure all of these people chattering about like, oh, is he washed or whatever? He's the one who, you know in the past, maybe he's the one who, who, uh, makes the unilateral play in terms of, I see something, I'm going to go make that play. Mm -hmm. They all realized that it was more important for them to maintain the integrity of that structure that they had because it was working and it was really affecting Kyler. You could tell, and it was affecting Cliff Kingsbury's play calling too. And to me, that was so fascinating how they all came together. And really, I think you saw this in camp too, when Jalen, was so dependent upon by those young guys as a teacher when he's Mm -hmm. on the sideline with the card, like that's when he thrives. That's when he's at his best, when he has to do so much to keep everybody together and to bring everybody along with him. And he knows it and they know it. And everybody on the planet who's watching the game knows it because it's very obvious what's happening. And I think that that is so that whole dynamic yesterday was so fascinating. It was a weird game. It was absolutely totally strange. Um, but it, it was also really illuminating for so many reasons that included. Yeah. Uh, Rams are up 13 to nothing and, uh, the Cardinals had one first down. I mean, that's, that's, that's the point that it was. And, uh, like you said, then they, they controlled, they, they used their defense in a way to, to control, uh, the pace of the game. And yeah, it got a little tense. I'm sure fans were, were a little tight, uh, in yeah. the second half, but it, it does, it's stressful yeah. to watch. I'm sure. Like yeah. it, I, I, I was joking with people, Rich, like. I've probably written like 60,000 words about this defense since 2020 and wrote the piece about the McVeigh Staley clashes in training camp and what that would mean and how everybody in the league was going to be playing this, this defense or a a version of it at some point. And they are, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing it everywhere and it's excruciating to watch for any fan base, not just the Rams. It's excruciating to watch. And so for me, it's like, you know, you're in a vacuum probably watching the game. Think about how it is to play against that defense. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I was thinking that as you were talking. Yeah, it must be, and and I think that's where you saw some of Kyle. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not going to get into the psychology of Kyler Murray. I don't know him at all. I don't know you know what he was thinking, but I could watch him and I could see like it just it looked like increasingly he's just in, even when he was in the huddle, he almost had this look on his face like, well, here we go. <laughs> this isn't going to be fun. This isn't what I want, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. Um, so I, I maybe he wasn't thinking that way at all, but but he certainly didn't look like a guy who was playing with a lot of confidence. I can I can say that much on the other side of the ball, Jordan, because there's some really interesting stuff here about this Rams offense. And like uh, you, you, you've covered it all in, in your columns. Uh, but I, I really think, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week, Jordan, how this was going to continue to evolve. I mean, we made the jokes about 21 personnel and, and all that. But I, I, I think we said it. We both said it last week. That wasn't the end point. That wasn't the OK, here's the new offense. Here's how exactly how it's going to look. I think we both knew and understood that was going to evolve and we were going to see some different things. And Jordan, you had a fantastic breakdown as part of your column about that Cooper Cup touchdown run in particular. Um, but so, you know, everybody's talking about Ben Skoranek and I, I, I'm, I'm all in. I love it too. Uh, but really, Jordan, it's, it's kind of about the evolution of this offense, right? And like how they're, how they're going to use him as part of what they want to do. So how did we see that evolve kind of from week two to week three? And I know that, I know that touchdown in particular is, is kind of a, a, a you know, a, a period at the end of that sentence, but, but what did we see in that game? Yeah, it's a direct example. Both of those touchdowns, the only two, the Rams scored, uh, against Arizona, um, one in the first quarter and then one in the third, those touchdowns were a direct example of how this group is trying to problem solve way earlier when it had issues to open the season, it's problem solving way earlier than I think they even did last season uh, um, when they sort of hit that fiasco in November and were sort of reeling and, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. Um, this time around, they are problem solving live and, and actively in real time. And after, you know, one game, essentially after that Bill's implosion, and then you see immediately um, that that's because what I think was a wake up call was the way that the Bills played the Rams, the Bills defense played the Rams. They used, they were true to their own personal concepts as a team, but they also played the Rams in specific ways that that was sort of, I think, a wake-up call and, oh, this is how people are going to play us from now on. Right. In terms of the Bills were also using that too high zone shell. Now, they play probably one of the best zones in the entire league in terms of the way that those guys, when they're all healthy, communicate on the back end and the way that they sort of move and flow of one accord. And, and it's really interesting to watch. But they also use different concepts to uh, sort of take away the second receiver so that you don't have two zone beaters when you're playing against an offense like Sean McVay's, which we know, again, via the 60,000 or so words of of text, like, you know, that they really like to have at least two zone beater options that can layer each other and can crisscross across the field or one guy springs another guy open or the under concept. And it's not just screens like Tyler Higby catch and rumble downfield. It's also these layered concepts that are super, super important um, to the McVay offense. And so you're seeing more teams do that. You're seeing teams travel the nickel. You're seeing teams 
like Atlanta, like Arizona, use as many defensive backs as possible at all times, even if it means in the case of Atlanta and Arizona, even if it means you're not getting as much pressure as you'd like on the quarterback because they're trying to depend on the defensive backs to muddy things up. If you're the Bills and you can rush for, it's a really solid game plan. If you can't rush for, it's a little more complicated and Matthew Stafford has a little bit more time to cook up there. So I think that's that was a wake-up call, right? Well, you marry that with the fact that the Rams know that they don't have their vertical threat anyway. Um, Aaron Rodgers used to talk about, and I've t- I talked with a couple guys in the locker room about this last week. Aaron Rodgers used to talk in 2020-ish when the Rams were unfolding this, this defense, this um, Fangio system defense under Brandon Staley, but with some of those cover six concepts that Nick Saban used to run like or does run, um, it, you heard Aaron Rodgers allude to things like breaking the shell or like finding ways to send Devonte Adams at the time on these vertical concepts that would sort of crack the crack the system or force the shell to lose its integrity or force a, a player on the other side to overcommit or it's one thing or another, but it would be an explosive mm-hmm. passing concept. And in th- those types of ways, that was like a solve for it, right? The Rams don't have that player right now because Van Jefferson is on injured reserve. And Van Jefferson right. is a guy who I very much believe uh, educated um, uh, hypothesis, as we like to say, yes. is a player that they know that they can test the back of a two high with. And especially when you combine Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson on intermediate concepts and you um mix them up in different ways. Like maybe Allen's the high concept and, and Van's the middle and Cooper's the low and all kinds of different things that you can do with those layers to, te- to, to break the integrity of that structure and all the right. coverages that are underneath it. And so they don't have that guy. They also don't have him in Tutu Atwell, who despite, you know, I think everybody being excited about a lot of the things that were dialed up for him specifically in camp. I think that, you know, it's, you're seeing where some of the issues are in that if he can get moved off of his landmark and Matthew Stafford cannot see him downfield, um, you're not going to connect the the nine route. Like you're not going to connect the throw to the catch. If you're trying to go for a landmark and you're losing the guy behind the coverage, even though he's admirably behind the coverage, if you're losing him because you, you quite literally cannot see him. So you're throwing to a landmark and the DB can move that guy off of the route, even just a little bit, um, then you're not going to connect because it's all about timing and in those types of, of scenarios, not necessarily, I can see the guy's hands. And, and so I think like that, this is where they've sort of almost gone backwards in time in order to roll out some of these concepts that, Yes, Sean McVay used Gerald Everett for maybe like seven snaps total at fullback over the course of history. But in terms of an actual guy who is in the eye formation and not only running routes out of the eye, but also chipping, also run blocking and lead blocking on a regular basis and also a factor, not just in the run game, but in the pass game is running uh, 21 or 11 personnel concepts out of 21 personnel looks. Um, This is something old, but also very, very new. Like mm-hmm. it's blending that sort of historic use of what a fullback was with the modern era of the pa- of the NFL passing game. And you can see, and we've talked, we talked about this on the last show, Rich, because it's truly delightful to study. And it's been yeah. a very beneficial add to the Rams offense um, when they have used this, this look pre-snap. Um, it, it's, 
you have seen an improvement in the run game when they've done it. You've seen an improvement in the pass game when they've done it, but you've also seen the fact that they can reach deeper into the bag of tricks. Like they're able to right. align Ben Skoranek in the eye and have a running back behind him um, pre-snap. And then you can send a motion player in this case, Cooper cup, you can send him on a sweeper on the left side. And because the nickel player um, has to account for Ben Skoranek running a pass concept up into the slot area. Um, if it's a, if it's a pass play and because the nickel player has to account for Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson and the linebacker does as well, if it's a run play um, the, and because you know that Sean McVay uses misdirection and motions a lot, and that player does not always get the ball. You hesitate for one second and in the second right. you hesitate, Cooper Cup, who's running 20.45 miles per hour per next-gen stats across the length of the field Jeez. and then downfield, gets the sweep and then takes it in for the touchdown. But then but then the magic of this is that you can also run a play where it, in the third quarter, it looks exactly pre-snap like the play that Cooper Cup scored the touchdown on. Right. He runs in motion to the opposite side, but it's a fake motion. You hand it off to Cam Akers instead. Ben Skoranek levels the hell out of the linebacker and Cam Akers uh, runs right up the, right up the hole on the left side and into the end zone. And that's the magic of this. It's the same look pre-snap, but you're doing two vastly dramatically different things on the other side. It's it's the, that's Sean McVay, right? I mean, that's what he did lining guys up, lining receivers up, make, make everything look the same. And now he's managing to do it with, with a guy in the backfield too, with a guy at, at fullback. It, it's extraordinary. It really, I mean, you know, I'm not saying yeah, you know, this is not a, a yay Rams. The Rams are amazing. The Rams are great. Like it's just, it's really just fascinating to watch. Like I think anybody who enjoys watching football would, would love to break this down. I mean, I guess this is fascinating what they're doing with some of these guys. And like you said, Jordan, not that uh, this was not the plan. This was not what I can't imagine. This is what they, they spent, you know, what Sean McVay was sitting there in February going, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do now. Well, Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because as we've been hinting on this podcast for the last yeah, yeah. six months or so, right. he has wanted to use, quote unquote, two back looks. Right. He has wanted to do that. It's just that, oh, shit, you're doing it with Ben Skoranek. Ben <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, you're doing it with with Cam Akers to Matthew's left. Right, and Brandon right. Powell to Matthew's right in the right. backfield. <laughs> like he has yeah. wanted to use the two back look. Oh, you can't, you don't have necessarily a vertical threat and teams are playing you in a, in a too high right. zone and like a constricting zone with extra DBs anyway, and less guys up front. So, Oh, cool. Well, what, what are you going to do in that regard? All right. So go smaller and think bigger, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's to me. And, and yes, like this is not like a rah, rah, the Rams no. are geniuses, whatever. Like this is, this is people have, I, I don't know if people have run, I'd have to do a deep fact check on this. I don't mm -hmm. know if people have run a lot of 11 personnel out of a 21 personnel look in the I formation specifically. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's been a thing, Yeah. but in terms of overall of, of using a fullback in this way, like it's been done before. Sean McVay has just not really done it this way before. And right. it's a clear reaction you know, they've known that Ben Skoranek can do this. Les Sneed's even hinted at this in terms of like, hey, just run everybody behind Ben Skoranek, a tight end yeah. or whatever. And yeah. and it's like they've known that this could be maybe something to pull to pull a thread to pull at. And I think the combination of 
the way teams are playing them right now, the loss of personnel in terms of that verticality and that huge explosive air yards game that they were used to right out of the season last season. And the, those two things combined, plus the emergence of Ben Skoranek as somebody who can, who can handle it, who can handle that type of responsibility. Those three things sort of have formed this union of, and I think you have to be intuitive as a coach to realize that out of your players. And so, you know, if I'm going to give Sean a compliment and all of this, it's that is realizing that not only is this the way you have to adjust much quicker this time, because last year he saw they almost drowned last year that, that, um, I'm using a lot of uh, dark analogies. I'm, yes, I'm fine. I promise. <laughs> um, but they almost went under last year when they couldn't adjust fast enough, and finally they did, and it worked. This year they're adjusting quicker, and they they are intuitive in using the types of players that they know can step up to that occasion, um, and and depending on others to meet the moment, like how they depended on Cam Akers, um, other than the fumble at the goal line, depending on him to meet that moment as well, depending on Allen Robinson. You know, these guys, they don't play fantasy football with their offense, guys like Allen Robinson. You go back and watch the blocking work that he's doing on these plays like, yeah, Yeah. you want him to catch the touchdown in the end zone. I think you could argue about a hold non call on that play from my view up in the press box. A guy's pretty handsy behind him. But like, you know, I, I think you can you could say at least one of those shots you have to catch one of those um targets that he had but at the same time it was very clear from the jump that this was not going to be a downfield passing game uh play action set up Allen Robinson on a crosser like this was always going to be one of those very intentional um uh different look kind of game and then you need all all 10 other guys to contribute in that concept. And, and Alan Robinson is doing that. I want, I want you guys to go back and look at Cooper's touchdown. Not yes. only does Cooper sell the motion really well um, on a sweep and, and th- they sell the fake extremely well. Um, but also um, Alan Robinson sort of shades the corner shades, the vision. He uses his torso to shade the vision of the, of the, cor- of the corner. So, and Sean McVay mentioned this today where uh, I think it was Wilson, the corner, he doesn't even see that Cooper has the ball. Um, because that's right. a detail on the play that you have to adhere to. So it's like, I think, I think like, yes, it's fair to say, oh man, you know, hands team, you really want to have him catch that, that touchdown and all this stuff, but he's also doing the little things that people have come to expect from a Rams number two receiver to be doing. And you're seeing that they're throwing a lot of different concepts at these guys all at one time. And I think they're all sort of meeting the moment pretty well. Well, most of them, I think are meeting the moment pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I mean, we won't need to rehash the, the two, two at debate over and over, but it does make you think, and it's not, look, I mean, I'm sure the guy's doing what he can do, but it's like, if he, I, I don't, I don't know where they go from here w- with that. I mean, if, if they can't find a way now, I, I'm not sure what the answer is um, for, for him in, t- in terms of trying to fit into that offense. So and I will it, say this Rich, yeah. too, you make you brought up a good point or you started making a good point. Like it's not his fault if they can't figure out what. To yeah. Do I mean, yeah, you know, it's, so and, and that's, he, he that's clearly hard. has a skill set. That, but yeah. it's if, if it's if it's not if the fit just isn't there, I'm not sure what what anybody can do about that. It's just I, I don't know what they can do at this point, really, that'll that'll turn that around. I don't know. We'll see. It's, there's a long season. But um, it, Jordan, before uh, before we wrap up, I definitely wanted to. Oh, first of all, I have to mention uh, a, a good special teams play. Uh, there special was a, teams. 
Yeah, yeah, there was a a block punt there, so you know, kind of kind of evens out a little bit. So uh, so good for those guys. But Jordan, I, I really want to get your your thoughts, and and I, I, this is always a movable target, but but you know, I always have to bring it back to the run game at some point. Um, but uh, just very very intrigued as to to how this went. Right, like I'm 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 peeking at my notes here, and I I I, I say this in fear of getting it wrong. Um, I, the Rams didn't have the ball a lot in the second half. I mean, the Arizona had a couple real long drives here. I don't believe Daryl Henderson had a, a carry in the second half. I believe it was all uh, Cam Akers uh, to the point where, much to my astonishment, Jordan, uh, at, at one point there, Cam had count them four consecutive runs and uh, they went for five, 14, six, and a 14-yard touchdown. And you sit there and you go, this is it. This and, is you it. Felt, this is, and you felt weak in the knees at that I, I, I yeah. did, but, but then, and, and you start to feel good. Again, we talk about, you know, not, not cheering for these guys, but feeling good about them. And you think, okay, Cam, like he, he's grabbing a hold of this, right? And then what happens the very next sequence? He fumbles at the goal line. Um, but I didn't get a sense. Like I kind of sat there going, oh, no, this is it. Like Sean's never going to give him the ball again. Like this is it. But but they came back to him. And and after the game, I mean, I saw the comments. I, I saw the presser. It, it seemed pretty encouraging. I mean, where where are they with with this run game? Is it, is it still kind of uh, are they still trying to sort through this? The, the confidence level? I mean, clearly, they it seems clear to me. And I this is just rich speaking. I'm not speaking for anybody else, but it, it seems clear to me that they want Cam to be able to seize this. They, they want him to be able to earn that. Um, but, but where are they in, in that process? And maybe what did this game do for that? Well, it's a, it's a, it's all a beautiful mystery, Rich. Like really, <laughs> I mean, mystery, that's yes. the thing. There's no, um, they, they have, I assume a plan and they know certain details that they will never share, but trying to, and I, this is what I always tell people too, especially when I get texts, uh, you know, and, and I do get texts from people I like went to high school with, or, um, you know, were, you know, in some sort of a club with at one point or like random asking me for fantasy football advice. If you're one of those people, like, please stop doing that. Stop doing that. Um, <laughs> we haven't spoken in 10 years. Please stop doing that. Um, but there's no actual way to determine or predict who is going to get more carries at certain points. And really, because it doesn't matter to the contours they're playing with or whatever, they're both healthy, right? So it's really tough to predict. All I can say for sure is that it has been clear to me for a very long time, as stated for a very long time, that Sean McVay would like to use both running backs, however is best effective and would like to sort of at, 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 a, at one, at a certain point have this sort of committee approach, which they have been doing in, you know, spurts essentially. And then there's been setbacks and all of this stuff. But I do think that long-term, if you're asking durability questions and all of that, they do want cam makers to meet this moment and, and emerge as a as a star and they think he can be a star and you see flashes of it and i think one thing that's probably was the reason why sean didn't just like you know mf him out there on the sideline was he looked like his old self unfortunately that also meant 
the yeah. fumble too. Right. <laughs> All around, um, yeah. But he looked like his old self in terms of the confidence that he was running with and, and the line too. I mean, kudos to the line for opening up some of that space for him. Kudos to Cooper cup on one of those plays lead blocking for him on that six yard carry kudos to Ben Skoranek for lead blocking for him on a couple of, of, of places that gives the back confidence. He's finding space to run. He's finding yeah. that second effort. He's finding the power and the body control and the confidence. And I think that's really, really important. That's not to say that Daryl hasn't looked good in, in flashes as well. Daryl has looked very, very promising in, in, yeah. in flashes as well. But I do think that this is something that they're just going to manage a two back system in, in this regard. Um, and, and frankly, in six weeks, because so much has changed about what we know about these two, even over the course of a month, um, in yeah. two, in six weeks, who who the hell knows what this thing's going to look like? But what I do know and what I do feel is that they believe they do believe in Cam, and they believe that he is starting to look more like his old self. Not just in the way that he's running the ball, but in the way that he's sort of sticking his face in there. He did have a pressure pickup yesterday that was pretty impressive. Um, the way that he's just really kind of getting in there, and I think um, you can see that if you go back and you look at his touchdown. Go look at the way that those guys picked him up off the ground. Ben Skoranek, <laughs> true to fullback lore. And I think he's growing a mullet, too. I mean, this dude's like really leaning into it. Fullback awesome. fall and yeah. pumpkin spice season is upon us, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's like he he's in there. He's leaning into the lore. He's yanking Cam up by the armpits and, and getting him up off the ground and shoving away the red jerseys and like, get off my guy. <laughs> And then Matthew Stafford comes up and he clacks helmets with him and he kind of holds the side of Cam hel- Cam's helmet. And you could see yeah. that he's saying something to him. And these guys are just over there and they're, they're kind of like, you can just tell, you can see that they're like, you are doing the thing that we knew you could do. And I think you yeah. build off of that. If you're Cam, you certainly build off of that feeling. You build off of also the, the mistake you made. And I, I just, I don't know. I get it. I, I understand. And talking with him, throughout the spring and the summer, like I, I understand a little bit more. I think about his personality in terms of, like, I've been saying this dude is so heckin' fired up all the time. Like that. I just, I can kind of see they're just trying to channel that into something really, really productive and for himself and also for the team. Yeah. It it was encouraging to, to see him start running North South with a little bit more um, authority. I thought some of those, earlier runs either in uh in Sunday's game or previous weeks they they would try to you know uh, try to take him wide a little bit with sweet and he just he looked a little tentative and I don't I don't mean that to sound you know too pejorative but like I I think getting him in those plays where you just got to hit the hole like and that and and it's kind of taking the best qualities of Daryl Henderson right because you can you can say whatever you want about Daryl but he always you know he's he's going for it like he gets the ball and he's like you said he's putting his nose in there yeah Yeah, he plays and and I think that's the kind of play that you want out of Cam and I think that you were seeing that more and more as the game went on and unfortunately the lad I need to correct myself a little bit because his last carry actually was the fumble the Rams didn't get the ball back until it, it was time to kneel it out but so so he didn't get a chance to really uh, redeem himself there but uh but i think you saw that increasingly like uh, and certainly the the o-line play helps a lot but but i think even cam just running with that confidence and and uh, again i don't know they, they've got to sort that out because i i think i think running backs will tell you like well that you know that comes with the more that you get the ball like the mm-hmm. more you get the ball the more you get into a rhythm the more you start feeling that so i'm sure from cam there's a little bit of like well if i'm not going to touch the ball for the first you know two series or whatever maybe 
be, maybe it's a little bit harder to get into that uh, uh, rhythm. But, you know, it, look, it, this is the modern NFL. So many teams are, are taking that approach. I mean, you don't, there's only a handful of those guys who are now those, those backs who are going to carry the ball, you know, for forever. Your Derrick Henrys or whoever it may be who you can just rely on. Like, that's, that's not where we are anymore. Sorry, fantasy football uh, owners. That's, I, I understand your pain, <laughs> but uh, what do you get more questions about, Dory? Do you get more questions at this point about, about Cam Akers and his usage or about Matthew Stafford and his elbow? Which, I'm going to pull which... up the text right now. Okay. Hang on. I'm pulling up <laughs> the text. But I will say, too, uh, Rams went over 100 rushing yards, Rich, as yes. you know. Um, mm-hmm. This was in part because of um, this was in part because Matthew Stafford with the, the three yard pickup on the, the third down, that was an important play for them. Okay. One text was yeah. about, um, fantasy drafts, uh, people to target or avoid. Uh, and then one of them was a Daryl Henderson question. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the cam Akers questions, right? Uh-huh. They're cam Akers adjacent questions, but largely a lot of Allen Robinson questions. Um, and to, for me, it's like, I tweeted this out the other day. It was funny. I was like, Sean McVay does not care about your fantasy football team. And it's funny. It's almost like he's, he has no idea. I mean, I'm sure he has a Twitter burner account or whatever, but like I, we've talked about this at length on this podcast, by the way. Um, (laughs) but there's even now a darkly chaotic Matthew Stafford burner account, which I deeply love by the way. Um, but it's, it's like, it's almost like if he knew and he's trolling intentionally, that's how some of these game plans are working out. <laughs> right, it's of course not right, the case, right. but it it, it, do, it right. does. It is how that sort of shakes out sometimes, but it's kind of like a, they play in accordance to the plan. And, and like, that's something that I think this team is celebrated for in the past. That sort of runs into the, we not me ethos and on the writing on sure. the wall and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it also is, um, vaguely uh, hilarious to follow along online because it's clear. It's like, you know, it was clear from the jump to me that it wasn't going to be the Allen Robinson 17 target game or even the 10 target game or even the eight target game because of what they were doing with the heavier personnel and what they've had to do with some of the ways that teams are constructing their zones against them. Um, And it wasn't even the uh, superstar Cooper cup and Cooper cup. This was the first time in a while he's been under 90 yards. Ben Skronik finished as the lead receiver Um, in part. I think if they don't go three and out three consecutive times through the middle of the game, which was something that cannot happen when this team has to get better at closing out and finishing drives and capitalizing off a special teams turnover with a touchdown Oof. and not a field goal. Uh, Michael Hoyt got a game ball, which was super endearing. Um, that was a great block. Yeah, it was a great block. And uh, he, I think, is the the heaviest special teamer, gunner, enforcer player in, in the entire NFL. Like the, wow. That's a D lineman. I told someone the other yeah. day, I was like, you know, the guy who blocked that punt is a D lineman. What? <laughs> like that yeah. was the reaction that I got. Yeah. So it, it that all of that, but you need to capitalize off of those things. You can't stall in the middle of the game. You can't let teams hang around the teams that are going to be good that the Rams are facing, including the one that they're facing on Monday night in San Francisco 49ers. You let them hang around for even a second yeah. and they will come back and bite you in the ass. And we've seen that. We saw that last year specifically from this 49ers team. Yes, they're dealing with some injuries themselves, but 
This is another team where Kyle Shanahan and his staff, they find efficient ways to maximize the personnel that they do have. And so um, they cannot stall offensively in the way that they did. Matthew Stafford, I thought, played a great game. Um, He played a really, really efficient game. He, um, you know, I think they probably could have been at around 35 points if some of the things that you could tell they wanted to try ended up working out for them and they didn't. But I thought Matthew Stafford played a great game. And really, it this was, you could see the wheels moving, right? You could see they're trying things in a different way. Like I said, in part out of necessity, but in part out of the way that uh, in terms of personnel, but in part out of the way that teams are playing them and they're and they're troubleshooting and they're um, if I can turn this back around to the entire front of the metaphor that we opened with, they're trying Mm -hmm. to find some holes in the void, right? They're trying to poke (laughs) and see which is successful. They're trying to to pick and pick and pick away at, at certain at certain concepts and certain ideas and see which sticks. Uh, great stuff. Uh, I'm fascinated, you know, Monday night, 49ers, uh, they're coming off. Uh, again, that was just a, it was a painful game <laughs> to watch, but, but interesting. And in that, uh, it, the Broncos defense, uh, coach Evero, uh, you know, trying to, trying to hold them up there. So, uh, curious to see how that uh, projects with, uh, with the Rams trying to slow down the 49ers. Uh, obviously that was their first game with, uh, Jimmy G back at, at quarterback. So, uh, how they, how they, uh, play in game two might be a little different than, than game one, but always a great challenge. No Rams fans love that matchup against the, the 49ers. So, uh, it'll be one to watch. Jordan, of course, will be all over it this week. Jordan, it's another, it's another one of your favorite weeks where wh- I'm going to mess this up, but like when Wednesday, Wednesday is actually Tuesday. Is that how? No, it's the other way around, right? Wednesday, it's, Wednesday, Wednesday is actually you know what? Thursday. I have no idea. Actually, uh, Wednesday is Thursday. Wednesday is Thursday. Thursday yeah. is Friday. Yeah. Friday is Saturday. Yeah. But well, it actually moves. Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to do some math on this one. Okay. This is all we're in season, Rich. You can't you can't do this to me. I, yeah, was I, don't know. I lost it halfway through. You saw it, too. I lost the I, I had the other one <laughs> I, before yeah. the Thursday night game. I had it on lock and then right. I just totally lost it once the. Right. Once it starts going, you just all semblance of a. I of a tell people that all the time. T- it yeah. does not. Is today a practice day? Is it a travel day or is it a game day? Those are the only three things that you need to know when you're around the beat. Where do I need to be today? Do I need to go to the practice facility? Do I need to go to the airport or do I need to go to the stadium? Those are that's really the only thing you have to keep track of once once you're in a season. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, it'll be a fun trip. I'll, I'm looking forward to being there. Um, Lots and lots of great coverage coming down. You guys keep an eye out this week for a major feature mm. um, about a Los Angeles Rams captain uh-huh. um, that will be running on the athletic front page this week, as far as I am aware. Um, and something that I uh, I think is you guys will, uh, I hope you guys think is really special, but something I've been working on for a long time. and And uh, certainly keep track of, of all the coverage that comes throughout the rest of the season and, and continue to, to check in with you and me, Rich. Yeah. And Jordan, well, I have this question for you. I mean, if somebody hasn't subscribed to The Athletic, how can they remedy this? What can they do to, to correct that? Do you have any tips for anybody? It's only my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is 
a great discount. Guys, lots and lots of fun stuff coming your way over the next several weeks. Um, This is going to be a really interesting season. It's going to be a weird one if the last two games are any indication uh, of what's in store here for Rams fans. And Rich and I will have you taking care of every single step of the way. Hope you guys are being good to each other. Hope you're being good to yourselves. And we'll see you next week.